Rocking across the USA every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Coming up in a couple minutes, I am so excited to have Nick Walenda back on the air with us, of course, from the Flying Walenda family. This is the guy that walked across Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon. Now, we talked to Nick about the Niagara Falls walk. We have not talked to him about the Grand Canyon, which I'm excited about, and his new book, Balance, a story of faith, family, and life on the line. We're going to get to Nick in a minute. one 800 548 is the number. Of course, we're here for you every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific. Broadcasting live out of Studio E with Tricia and Nathan in Los Angeles, California. XM Satellite Radio 246. And for your friends who want an uplifting boost for their week, for their month, for their year, for their lifetime. They can listen to the show free if they don't have XM yet at talkdavid.com. Proud to be part of the Premier Radio Network. To everyone who's continuing to email us regarding the whole thing about coming back from an affair, infidelity, we're going to get to your stuff a little later on in the show. So hang in there. The response has been so incredible. Wow. To that topic. Um, but one of the things that I am excited whenever I get a chance to talk to Nick, and this is, I think, our third time we've interviewed Nick Walenda, is um, the strength that this guy generates from his faith, from his family, in doing what what a lot of us call the insane walks in life. Nick, welcome back to the show. Hello, Nick. Yes, I'm here. Hello. Oh, gotcha. Hey, welcome back, man. It's good to talk to you again. Good to be back on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So so one of the things that, that I remember in watching live when you walked across Niagara Falls, Nick, was the and listening to you talk to your dad and what you were saying in between was your your prayer work on the wire walking across Niagara Falls. You were not shy at all about going into <laughs> prayer, were you? No, not at all. You know, that's truly who I am from the inside, and that's, um, you know, where I find my confidence, that's where I find my comfort, and um, I'm not shy about it. I don't think there's a reason to be shy or ashamed of the gospel. Are you, you, is there anything that makes you afraid? (laughs) Very few things. I always say the only fear I have is the fear of God, which is the important one, but uh, there are very few things that I'm afraid of in life, that's for sure. Yeah, and when when you walked across Niagara Falls, it was wet, it was windy as heck, and and your and your baby girl was on the other side crying. Do you remember that? I do, absolutely. Wow. And as a dad, do you have any fear that like what you do might might somehow really affect your kids? Somehow, I do. You know, and as I get older, I think about it more. It's, it's hard for other people to understand that this is a way of life for our family for 200 years and seven generations. It's not as though, uh, you know, I woke up one morning as, uh, you know, as an adult and said, I'm going to walk across the wire, you know, over Niagara Falls or the Grand Canyon or anywhere else for that matter. This is something that I was raised. It's more of a lifestyle than anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I have given that a lot more thought as I get older. And, you know, do I need to stop doing this? And I talk to my family. I'm very open with them and say, is it okay with you guys for me to do this? And, um, you know, I feel, you know, I feel heartache when I see stuff like that, that they are upset. And yeah. I think they, they were a lot stronger this time. But I do understand the stress. And I, I relate it to, you know, children who have parents that are, you know, a dad that's a firefighter or a police officer. Right. You know, there's nerves when you hear that there was a shooting in town. You want to know, is he okay? Yeah. Uh, you know, that anxiety that comes with it. So I think that comes with a lot of walks in life just mine happens to be very very unique 
Nick, when you were saying that, I was thinking, or a child whose mommy or daddy is is in the military. Oh, absolutely, absolutely right. right. Yeah. So so now at the end, I'm going to stay with Niagara Falls a little bit. At the end of the sh- of, of the walk, you know, we see your daughter crying, and I'm sure it was out of relief that Daddy made it across. And and what was it? What did you do? How did you assist her in getting ready for the Grand Canyon? after seeing her emotional response, which was absolutely beautiful, to her dad over Niagara Falls. How did you prepare her? Did you do anything different or special for your daughter or son for the Grand Canyon? You know, not really. I mean, I sat down again. I sit down with my wife and my three kids. I have a 15-year-old son, a 12-year-old son, and a 10-year-old daughter, and, and ask them, is it all right with you? You know, there's nothing more important than my family. And I want their blessing before I do this stuff. And even though it stresses them out, they all, and in no pressure, I mean, I tell them, if you don't want me to do this, I truly do not want to get on that wire. I don't want to put you through the stress. Um, in the end, again, they understand it. My daughter and, and, and sons, even my wife, as a matter of fact, but my kids were raised around this. They've seen me do it forever. What the challenge, I think, that comes into play is the, the hype that the media puts into what I do. Yes, there's danger in what I do, but there's also danger in getting in your car and driving to the store, but we don't avoid that, and our kids don't cry when we get in the car to go to the store. There is risks, and, and it's hard, again, hard for people to relate, but I've been walking a wire since the age of two, and it is extremely right. comfortable. Right. matter of fact, in the backyard, we play on the wire. We have chicken fights on the wire. Me and my kids have chicken fights on the wire. I, you know, right. I'm amazed, my 15-year-old son, how good he is on the wire. Never in his life have I told him to practice. He sees me doing it. He enjoys it. It's fun. It's what we do as a family. Um, so, again, it's hard for other people to relate, but it is something that, it, that they're fairly accustomed to. But when, when I'm doing these big events, the media plays up the danger, the doom, the gloom, of course. Um, we do have family history of losing family members. Now, a lot comes into play. The only family member we've ever lost doing something like a walk like this was my great-grandfather in 1978. And, and that right. really had to do with his age. It wasn't the fact that he had an amazing ability to walk the wire. And, you know, I wouldn't be where, my career wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for him. But his ability uh, to walk the wire, but he was 73 years old, and he didn't have the strength to hold on. He did everything right. That wire is a safe haven, and, and again, hard for people to understand. But I felt safer on that wire than I did on the edge of the canyon, because if that rock slides underneath me, I can't reach up and grab it. If I slip on that wire, gravity pulls me down to that wire, and I'd hold on. Well, my great-grandfather was losing his balance, so he went down to the wire and sat down. It's not as though it just kicks out from under you or there's enough wind to blow you off. We did the studies. We knew it wouldn't be more than 55 miles per hour. I'd walked in 75 miles per hour. I had a couple gusts while I was out there, 48 miles per hour. Um, So, again, he went down to the safety of the wire, he was 73 and didn't have the strength to hold on. What have we learned right. from that? There's a time to retire. There's a time to give it up. Now, when you have passion, when you, you know, his quote was, life is on the wire, everything else is just waiting. And for us, that's very <laughs> true. We love right. being on the wire. So yeah. it's hard to give that up. So I've had to prepare myself now, and I'm working on other avenues. I'm starting to do some motivational speaking and getting into another world, another realm, uh, so that I have something else to do when that retirement time comes. And, and I plan 45 to 50 at the latest you know, that'll be my last big wire walk. Okay. And and when you walked across the Grand Canyon, was there any moment, because I did not see that live like I watched you walk across uh, Niagara Falls live, uh, absolutely stunning, the Niagara Falls one. Was there any anything in the Grand Canyon that was scarier than, than Niagara Falls? You know, there 
they're all different. They're all unique. As I, I talked about my great-grandfather, he did walks all over the world and, you know, some amazing walks, giant walks, thousands of feet long, you know, over 600 feet high. And he lost his life on one that was fairly minuscule. So they're all just as serious as the last. Mm. The challenge of the, the Grand Canyon was the winds were strong uh, and they were whipping. And we knew that was going to be that way. We were hoping they wouldn't be that bad, as bad as they were. But, you know, I called my dad three days before he was out there already. I was still training in my hometown of Sarasota, Florida at that point uh, at Nathan Benderson Park, a big growing facility here. And I called him and I said, Dad, um, how's it look? How's the weather? He goes, look, you're going to be fine. You've trained in 90-mile-an-hour winds. You, uh, you've trained for more distance than this. You've trained for plenty of endurance. But he said, you're going to have to work for every step. Um, I know you're going to be safe. I know you're going to make it. But there's not going to be a point for you to, to really relax. You're going to have to work at it. And he was right. He was absolutely right. Um, Often I do these walks and I can relax. You know, it's it's similar to walking on the ground. I've done it for so long. Uh, But this is one that I really had to work at. I don't. I wouldn't say there was points where I was scared. There was points where I was in deep concentration, where I knew you better stay focused. You know, Mm. resort back to that training. You've been in higher winds. You know, you're going to be fine. And, And really, a lot of it, what I do, I would say. Uh, you know, a large percentage of what I do is mental, way more than physical. The physical yeah. part at this point in my career comes natural. The mental right. is something I have to work at. We're going to talk to Nick Willenda more in a minute. We're going to a quick break. His website, Nick Willenda, N-I-K, Willenda.com. The book, a Balance, A Story of Faith, Family, and Life on the Line. Much more to come. We'll talk to Nick about it. Are any of his kids going to follow in his footsteps and what's the next big thing is there something bigger that he's planning to walk across that and many more questions for nick willenda just love having this guy on the show with us you're tuned into america's positive radio talk show david essel alive more information on us at talkdavid.com stay right there Hey, Nick, this is a perfect song for you, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God, that's great. Nick Willenda, of course, the, uh, from the, the name of the book, Balance, a story of faith, family, and life on the line, the guy that's walking across all kinds of wild places in this world. How far down was the Grand Canyon when you were walking across it? What was it from the wire to the, to the bottom? It was uh, 1,500 feet was the distance. A little, I believe it was just about 1,480, something like that. Yeah, and and I know that when we talked before about that the height stuff, it doesn't bother you at all. Um, are you able to look down and enjoy that view? I am, uh, you know, and occasionally during that walk, I think there was only about two spots, and that was the second time I knelt down on the wire. I was able to look down. I actually thought of my great grandfather, who really is the inspiration behind a lot of the things I do. And of course, my family and ancestors that motivate me to do what I do. And um, and as I got closer to the end, I was able to kind of relax a little bit and and look down and you know realize. I try to take it all in. I'm in a spot. I'm very blessed to be in a spot that no one in the world ever has or ever will be again. Often during these walks, and I try to take it all in. Yeah. When when you look at your next feat, is it going to be the skyscraper one in New York? 
You know, that's what we're working towards. It's always a challenge. Of course, there are plenty of road roadblocks, but as I always say, and my motto is never give up, and I always pursue, uh, you know, pursue things with all of my heart and mind and believe that if you're willing to work hard enough, that you can accomplish anything in life, and and I think I've you know with with Niagara Falls we've had to, had to change two laws in two countries over a hundred years old just to get permission. So right. it, it is a process, but that is what I have my sights set on, and and we're right in the middle of going through getting permission and approval. And and where are you looking at walking, and how how far will it be, and how far up? Can you give us some some of the specifics, Nick? I can't give many specifics right now because we're working on actually several different options. Just, uh, you know, when we submit this stuff, we try to give different options so that there is, uh, you know, if there's a problem with one location, they say, but, you know, maybe we, you can't do that, but why don't you try this area? So I can't give specifics, but, but you know, skyscrapers in New York City, I try to do things or everything I do um, to my fullest ability and make it unique and have my own unique twist to things, and that is the plan. I'll be doing something definitely very exciting. And and uh, hopefully more than just walking from one skyscraper to another on a wire. There'll be there'll be a little complexity to it, I'm sure. Have you ever thought about doing like some kind of circular work, and you know, instead of like the straight across? I mean, is is there anything like that that could be done, or a square, rectangle? You know what I mean? That- yeah, you know, we have we have thought about that as as well. Uh, the challenge, of course, with a wire is that it is. You know those wires get rolled up on spools when we're done with them, so you can't really do circular. But you could walk from one location to another, uh, you know, across the skyline from skyscraper to skyscraper. So you know, there's many, many different options for sure. If there was one one walk that you think would be the most difficult, and is somewhere in the world doesn't have to be in the United States, obviously, somewhere in the world that would be the ultimate challenge for you. Have you ever thought about what that might be? <laughs> I've thought about it ever since I was a young boy. I've thought about what are those ultimate walks. And at 34, I've really fulfilled the two biggest at the top of my list, which were Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon. But, of course, my mind continues to wander and continues to think in different directions. And, um, you know, one of the other dreams is to walk over a volcano. That's something I've always wanted to do, and it just adds, of course, to the elements. And, um, you know, I think it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. That, or what about like doing something up in the Alps or somewhere where you know, like from from a mountaintop to a mountaintop? Absolutely. Where it's you know, that's cold. A, that's another another one on the list for sure. You know, a walk in Vegas uh, over the Strip is one. There's there's so many. Uh, you know, the Swiss Alps, of course, are amazing, and I'd love to do yeah. something there. I'd love to do something from the Eiffel Tower. There, are, there's many mm. many walks. Great Wall of China, the tallest buildings uh, in the world, the Petronas Towers, twin buildings. So. There's so many on the list, and I don't know that I'll get to all of them, but to be honest, I, I believe in going for the biggest, uh, and that's what I did. I set my sights on Niagara Falls at the age of 32. Uh, actually, started set my sights on them when I was a, a little kid the first time I visited, but really started to pursue it and thought that it would be a lifelong process. wasn't sure, but again, I'm, I believe in never giving up and working hard, and, and we got permission that... Other wire walkers, I believe they said 16 other wire walkers have submitted and tried and, and, uh, tried to get permission for the last, within the last hundred years. None of them getting permission. And here I was 34 and I thought, well, this is going to be a process, but I'll do other walks leading up to it. And, you know, this could take a long time. And we got permission within about a year and a half from two countries. Right, right. And, and, and wasn't it the mayor of New York? Wasn't he like a huge pro- proponent of you doing this as well? 
he was, uh, but you know, there's there's always people that are going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people. Sure. There's always going to be roadblocks. I think so many people give up on dreams because of those naysayers and those roadblocks. I think uh, a lot of times we create our own roadblocks. It's us saying, well, if I'm going to open up a pizza restaurant, what about you know, how are you going to get the tomatoes? And what about the permits? And what about the grease trap? And you know, we we make <laughs> excuses up in our head of, and make the challenges. Yeah. We build walls for ourselves. And if it's not us, then it's someone else saying, yeah, but did you think about this? And rather than just right. pursuing those dreams and not giving up, we tend to give up. And I think so many people miss out on so many great opportunities in life because they give in too quick and too easily. Amen. Amen, Nick. Oh, my God. You know, I remember a number of years ago, someone said to me, um, your master's degree, was it in communication and journalism and that how you got into radio? And I started laughing. You know, <laughs> I said, oh, my God, the, you know, I, I mean, I tripped into radio. I tripped and it's been 22 years now. But once I had a taste of it, it's, it's got to be like you get in on a wire. Once I That's got a right. taste of it, I said, this is home. I'm never leaving. That's right. Yeah. You know, you have that. You're right. You get a taste of it. And as a matter of fact, the way we've raised our children, me and my wife um, both come from a circus background. My family started in the 1780s. Her family started in the, uh, actually before that, the 1500s, 1600s, I believe. They're the third oldest circus in the world out of Australia. So she comes from, I think, nine generations. I come from seven generations. But we both had that taste at a young age. I actually started performing at the age of two, not on a wire, but as a clown um, in front of an audience oh. in SeaWorld. And my wife started performing at five. And we both had that taste, and it kind of nipped us, and that was it. So we've tried right. to keep our children off of the wire, out of the entertainment realm, so that it'll be their decision. Not saying in no way did my parents, as a matter of fact, they pushed me to go to college, and they, I talk about it in my book, they pushed me to go a different direction. The business, as a matter of fact, my mom released a book way back in the, uh, in the, the mid-'80s saying uh, it was called The Last of the Walendas because they thought that it was over. There was no more future here. Mm. So my parents pushed me a different direction. But because I had that taste for entertainment, that taste for performing and, and being in front of a live audience, I couldn't stop. Uh, it was right. just in me. And we yes. wanted our kids to have that opportunity of, you know what, when you turn 18, after you graduate from high school, you can decide, do you want to go to college or do you want to carry on our family tradition? But until then, you're going to stay behind, out of the limelight. In a sense, we let mm. them be on TV and stuff, but that's, that's a little bit different. They're not entertaining. They're in the background just watching their father perform. We have 30 seconds left, Nick. Are, are, is one of your children leaning towards this professionally? Can you say? <laughs> can you feel? Can you see? 35 seconds. They're not, actually. They all want to go to college, uh, from scientists to a doctor, brain surgeon to a, a veterinarian. So at this point, they have my blessings, and we're setting their college money aside, and we're thrilled with that. Yeah, that's good. That's so cool that you can, in the position you're in, you know how many parents like press their children to become a football player, baseball player, <laughs> whatever it might be, doctor, etc. It's so cool to see you're allowing them to make their own decisions, Nick. I, I want my kids to be happy in their decision. I don't want them to be forced into anything. Let it be their decision. Nick Willenda, the book, Balance, A Story of Faith, Family, and Life on the Line. Check out his website, Nick Willenda, N-I-K-Willenda.com, Nick Willenda.com. Nick, I always so much enjoy to have you on, and I'm going to look forward to doing it again. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. Bye-bye now. Bye. Our toll-free number, 1-800-548-8255, 1-800-548-8255. When we come back from the break, you know, the, the topic of an affair. 
having an affair, did you have an affair? Was it justified in your mind? Did you save the relationship? Did the relationship end? Would you be willing to work hard to save a relationship if there was an affair? 1-800-548-8255. We'll be giving you the answers we've gotten and your calls after this. Ready, baby, come and get it. Come and take it. 1 800 548. Oh, 8255. 1 800 548 5255. We're going to be getting to your texts, your calls, and more. I want to go back to this whole thing about the affair. We've been talking about that earlier in the air on the show, and we've got several more people writing in. Uh, hey, Dave, I cheated on my wife after 16 years of marriage and five years of no sex. I feel that that was an acceptable cheat. Do you agree with that? 1-800-548-8255. This topic has blown up our text line, blown up our emails, blown up everything. My Lord. 1-800-548-8255. Do you believe that that's acceptable? That if your partner shuts down in bed, and in this case, five years, which is outrageously extreme. I think by then I would have gone in and got some serious help and maybe ended the relationship or tried to figure out how to save it. But five years without sex, wow. Do you think that's acceptable? If your partner shut you down and basically maybe told you, maybe didn't tell you, but you're not getting any, does that is that an acceptable excuse for having an affair? 1-800-548-8255. If your partner said you're not going to ever... Make love to me until you do X and you think X is crazy. So you say, I'm not going to do that. And they choose to not have sex with you. Is that acceptable? 1-800-548-8255. That was one more that came in. Another one, and this is a toughie. This is a toughie. Linda said uh, he abandoned. We talked about having an affair. He abandoned me and our son for another woman. Mm, What happened? He abandoned me and our son for another woman. Linda, thank you so much. John, thank you so much. 1-800-548-8255. Are there acceptable reasons for having an affair? Are there acceptable reasons? It's Okay, another text just came in. Yes, if your partner does shut you off from sex, you have every right in the world to have an affair. Do you agree with that? Here's another one. When my partner, comma, wife, cut me off two years ago from having sex, I decided to start going to Asian massage parlors. Now, do you remember, if you've been with our show for a long time, about eight months ago, a guy called up from the Northwest saying this very same thing. And it's not the same guy because this one's from New England. But saying this every same so I'm going to keep reading. Uh, after having no sex... Oh, my Lord, I had to start going to Asian massage parlors. That way, I got the relief I needed and didn't bug my wife, who wouldn't give me any anyway. 1-800-548-8255. Is that acceptable? Going to a massage parlor. Um, 
Another text just came in. There are no acceptable reasons ever for having an affair. You need to break up first before you have the affair. 941 is the text number. Here's our text number. Blow it up. 941-266-7676. 941-266-7676. Another one just came in. This is from New... (laughs) Lots of people in New England use uh, Asian massage parlors, it looks like. Um, Asian massage parlors are fine. My husband uses them on a weekly basis because his sex drive is 10 times what mine are. 1-800-548-8255. My partner, now this is, this may shock people. This may absolutely shock people. But my partner has told me over and over again that if she isn't in the mood that I can go to an Asian massage parlor and have my needs met. She has told me that. Flat is that wild? Isn't that incredible? That she has said that. Do you, do you agree with her? One eight hundred five four eight eight two five five. She would let me go anytime as long as I told her the truth. That if if I was in the mood and she wasn't that if I had needs that need to be met and she wasn't into it, that she said, just tell me the truth, David. Just tell me the truth, and I would say, go have your needs met. Isn't that incredible? Do I have, like, the most amazing partner ever? One, Do you agree with her? 1-800-548-8255. Do you think that that's healthy? 1-800-548-8255. Uh, Kimberly from Texas just texted us and said, you have the most incredible partner ever. Dot, dot, dot. I love that when people, because that's how I always text. Dot, dot, dot. I think she's very smart, especially if you guys are talking openly and honestly, to allow you to do that. Dot, dot, dot. My husband has never asked, but I feel the same way. 1-800-548-8255. Text number 941-266-7676. This is so wild. This is so incredible. I mean, the number of responses to this topic is still blowing my mind, which is why we're still on it, ladies and gentlemen, because it is off the charts. Uh, David, another David, not me, David just sent us an email saying, I think your partner is very open-minded, but she would not be in the majority of women in the United States. My wife stopped having sex with me six months ago because she holds resentments against me, but would never let me have my needs met at one of those places. Lucky for you. Interesting, isn't it? one 800 Yeah, and my partner did tell me that whatever money I spend on a massage parlor, I have to give her the same amount so she can go shopping. <laughs> I have a little shopping freak on my hands. one 800 this thing could go on forever. I really do think it would. And um, But what, here's one of the things I want to share on, on a more serious note. And that is this. There is always the role of the person that did not cheat when it comes to an affair. And many times when couples come into my office, it seems like there's one person that is to blame, and that is the person that actually cheated. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the person that cheated 
is the one to blame, and the person that did not cheat doesn't want to accept any responsibility. But in all these texts we're getting and all these emails we're getting, there is a consistent theme here that a partner is shutting down. Now, sometimes, let me tell you what happens from a male perspective. Sometimes the man who has resentments in a relationship will start working more or drinking more or eating more. Do you know what I mean? And so they're shutting down by not being available to be in bed. Now, the woman may just say, I'm not in the mood. No, don't touch me. Uh, we've worked with so many women over the years, and they'll just turn, snub their partner, right? They'll just turn one way, turn another, say not tonight, and that'll go on for a couple weeks. Then the guy will finally be fed up with it, but it's usually based on resentments. But the guy oftentimes will spend more time at work, or he'll start drinking more, or he'll start playing more sports or go to the gym more. He'll do something to not be available to his wife because of his resentments. I believe the number one cause of affairs is unspoken and unhealed resentments. Without a doubt, in the past 25 years, we have seen that as the number one. That it isn't necessarily because someone has this outrageous craving, although sex addiction does have a role in affairs, but it's not because someone has this outrageous craving for sex that they just can't control. It's that they're basically pissed off at their partner, and their partner's pissed off at them. And you hold that resentment long enough, and someone's going to stray. In almost every case that we have dealt with in 25 years... When we get to the bottom line of the answer of why did you stray, it's because this person shut down, I shut down, I was mad at them, they were mad at me. Let's get clear with that. If you need help, contact us at talkdavid.com. Coming back, we are going to switch topics. We're going to your emails. We're going to be hitting a ton of topics. And if you want to talk to me, call me. 1-800-548-8255. We'll answer any issue you have. TalkDavid.com is the website. I'm David Essel. Stay there. Ah, you know I want you. 1-800-548-8255. So nice to have you with us. Let me get to some of these emails. You can call us still. Send us emails. Uh, oh, my gosh. We have more people coming in. Let's go to John in Missouri. John, you're on with David Essel. Hello, David. How you doing? Hey, John. Good. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, my, with my first marriage, I was married 13 years, and, and I hardly ever got any sex with my first wife. And one day she told me when I was trying to fondle her, she told me, you know what, I don't care where you go or how you do it, as long as I don't find out, but you're not getting it here. And that's when I met my my, my second wife, and uh, I, and we've been together now 30 years, and and you were the end of the road when uh, she told me that. Yeah. That uh, I wasn't getting it at home, and, and let me tell you, I had a hard time with that. And, now, John, John, when, 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 when your first wife says you're not going to have sex anymore at home, why? Uh, she just didn't like it. Oh. You know, for some reason, she, she didn't like it. And then uh, down the road, she got herself a girlfriend. So I don't know. Wow. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the story <laughs> was, but, you know, 
and she didn't want it for me, so, and uh, my wife and I now, uh, we're, we're still going strong. As a matter of fact, we're the ones that called you up the last time. I'm now 61, and when I left my wife, I was 32, and, uh, and uh, you know, it's been great with my, uh, at the time, with my girlfriend and now my wife, you know. Okay, so so your first your first wife John says no sex. You can you can get it on the side, but just don't let me know. So how long did you get it on the side for before you left her? About uh, two years. Wow. And, uh, yeah, two years, and I had no problem. You know, didn't get it at home, so I had to get it somewhere because I go, I literally get fevers because uh, you know I go and then I wondered how can I you know I'm going to pay for it I can go to Reno or Las Vegas or somewhere yeah. and get it but yeah. you know that costs so much money so right um, right, right, right. I, I, and the first girlfriend I got I ended up marrying her cuz uh, it was any time any place anywhere and it's still the same today and, uh, and well, John why, why did you stay John why did you stay for 2 years with your first wife when there was no intimacy because you know what, you don't know where to go. You don't know how. To, I was, I was still young. I was, uh, I thought at the time I was still young and naive and thirty-two, and uh, she was my first. And you know what, I wanted to give it a try and make it work. And you know, I just, it just wasn't working at all. I mean, she made it loud and very clear that I wasn't in it there. Period. You know, so I had to move yeah. on. I was wow. forcible. Wow. So, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, said, John. I, I am so glad that your girlfriend for two years turned wife has ended up to be such a perfect partner for you. What a great story. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, we called you up last week or was it the week before that? And yeah. when and we're still having great sex today, you know? And she's, wow. like I said, she's 67, I'm 61, and yeah. we're still doing, having a great time. And That no is regrets. so good. That is so good. John, I'm so glad you called back. Thank you, my man. We'll do. Take care, Dave. Okay. Bye-bye. 1-800-548-8255. This is funny. I just got an email in from a guy who says, could you get your girlfriend on the air? Girlfriend slash partner on the air. I think he was thinking in case it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a guy who my partner is because I refer to Jennifer as, uh, as my partner. Uh, he said, could you get her on the air to talk about what her limits are with you? That's a fascinating question. And then he went on to say, since she allows you to go to a massage parlor for your needs to be met, if you so desire. I, America would probably love to hear Jennifer's side of this, wouldn't they? I don't know if she'll call, quite frankly. That might be a little too personal, but thank you for the, the, the request. <laughs> 1-800-548-8255-Maybe down the road she'd call and explain herself. A lot of people want to know. Um, how she allow, would allow me to go and have needs met if she wasn't up to it. I, I think it's a very open-minded. Of course, I'm very blessed to have her. I think it's a very open-minded approach uh, to having physical needs met. Now, she would, and as a matter of fact, off the air, Nathan here in the studio asked me, you know, some questions. But I mean, the thing that Jennifer would definitely put her foot down is there'd be no emotional attachment ever. Never an emotional attachment. I know that that's, you know, a big one. You know, but um, if she wants to call in, if she wants to answer the question, of course, she has the toll free number. Who knows? Maybe Jennifer will call in someday. 1-800-548-8255. Let's go to Wisconsin from Missouri. Wisconsin, Vicki, you're on with David Essel. Hello? Hello, Vicki. Well, hi. 
Hey, Vicky, what's on your mind? Well, I am trying. Three sex, hey, why not? Uh, but what, does anybody ever stop and think about uh, venereal disease? I mean, it hasn't vanished off the planet. And oh. uh, what open-minded partner would really be happy that you went to pay money and come back with chlamydia, with uh, antibiotic-resistant uh, gonorrhea or syphilis, herpes, or, God forbid, AIDS? Uh, would she be, would your partner be thrilled about that? And yeah, you'd probably wear protection, but there are always no guarantees. Those things pop, they break, they come off. And what are you going to do? Go, oops, sir, uh, and then pray for the best? Wow, well, where's <laughs> common sense? Is there any? Well, like, Vicki, it's, it's... That's it's, why it's, we it's, have it's, partners. Right. It's interesting that you asked that question. And, you know, there's all kinds of ways to be pleasured that has nothing to do with body fluids. Oh, I so, Sure. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's what the palm and the five fingers and, you know, there's there's all kinds of ways to be pleasured that would not have anything to do with even getting close to an STD. Which is, and they do still have those female condoms, those internal ones that have the sure. big ring in it. Those sure. are very good because they'll protect the the, uh, the genital area around the penis and the testicles from any kind of fluid. Right, and if a, someone a wanted, like I said, yes, yeah, yes. So there's Vicky. There's all kinds of ways around this, but you bring up a good point. For all of our listeners, and that is if, you know, I don't care if you're in a relationship or not, if you're going to be intimate outside of a relationship, if you're in one, or if you're going to have multiple partners, oh my God, you have to be so incredibly careful. And the way someone looks, how attractive they are, how well they dress, has nothing to do if they might be carrying an STD. So be cautious. Be careful. Vicki, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-548-8255. 1-800-548-8255. Yes, and I'll tell you what we'll do. Because we're running out of time, if in the future Jennifer, my partner, um, has has the, the, the ability to call into the show... Uh, we only have a couple minutes late. If she wants to call in now, she can and to, uh, to explain. Otherwise, we'll do it at another time. But the, the response is quite fascinating. And it seems like there's a lot of people that support her approach that you, you really do at times have different needs and it might be okay within reason, within rules and boundaries. But let me talk about that for a second. In, in 1998, I received my first client in the world of life coaching, and it was a couple that were into the world of swinging, of sharing their partner with another partner. And, of course, that was in the beginning of it. It was still in the closet, and now it's come out, and many, many more people are involved with it. And, and when couples come in and they're either in that lifestyle or they're thinking about being in the lifestyle, the thing I tell them right off the top is that there's a small percentage of people that can do that because of emotional attachment and because of jealousy and because of insecurity. And we're not talking about like, you know, the, the concern or fear of STDs. We're saying just because of the fact that individuals want to have an intimate relationship outside of their relationship that they're in, that you've got to be really careful. 
I'm going to say the 80, 80 to 85% of people that do that are are losing the relationship. Oh, my Lord. My partner, Jennifer, called in. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, honey. Hey, love. Hey, listen, we only have about 60 seconds left, but there's a lot of people that want to know how you could allow me, if I so chose, to go to a massage parlor to have my needs met. You've got like 40 seconds, my love. Well, I think it boils down to trust and true intimacy at home with you and love. I want your needs to be met. And I trust that you will not form a connection other than maybe having your sexual needs met um, at a massage parlor or, you know, maybe something similar. Depends. Um, what, what are some of the comments? I've missed some of the show. Oh, it's been, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of people that are saying, oh my God, this woman is so open-minded. Like, that is so cool that she's got that much security. Then other people say, well, isn't she concerned about anything whatsoever that could happen? And we have 10 seconds, honey. Well, I love you and I trust you. And, you know, if I say it's okay, then it's okay. I love you. You rock, my love. I love you Talkdavid.com is the website. See you Are next you week. exhausted in life, feeling that whatever you do is never enough to see lasting change? I'm David Essel, XM radio host and author of the new free book, The Power of Focus, yours at talkdavid.com. We're giving away one million copies of The Power of Focus free at talkdavid.com. You deserve your desires. Get your free book, The Power of Focus, today at talkdavid.com. For 21 years, positive talk radio equals David Essel alive. Listen on XM 168 every Saturday, 6 to 9 Eastern, 3 to 6 Pacific.